1: Afternoon tea with host Sammy Sage.
2: Is that what you're saying? Please proceed, Governor.
1: Presented by the Betches Sup Podcast.
2: Better hope there's a lot of girls listening
1: to this with the volume turned down. Your weekly dose of political therapy. Cardi,
3: that's what I've been doing my whole life.
1: And now, with this week's guest. Well, there were three of us
3: in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded.
1: Your host, Sammy Sage. Welcome to today's episode of Afternoon Tea, your companion to the morning announcements and weekly political therapy session brought to you by The Betches Sup. Today's guest is Gabrielle Bluestone, journalist and Emmy-nominated executive producer of Fire on Netflix, and the author of the new book Hype, how scammers, grifters, and con artists are taking over the internet and why we're following. We chatted about her new book, what it was like to break the story of Fire Festival and how she knew it was a scam early on, and why it seems like scammers and grifters are everywhere to be found on the internet these days. With that, let's get the tea from Gabrielle. Welcome, Gabrielle. I am so thrilled to have
0: you. Thank you so much for having me. This is great.
1: Yeah, of course. We are going to be talking today about one of my personal fascinations, which is the rise of what I call the scammer industry, because I think at this point it has really taken on kind of a life of its own, um with you know, everything going on from fire Festival to Theranos. But yeah, no, it is a fascinating topic and one that you wrote an entire book on. So I guess just start by telling us a little bit about your new book, Hype, how you got into writing it, and yeah, just kind of the background.
0: Totally. Well, I was the vice reporter who broke the story, um, and as I was reporting on it, and then I also worked on the documentary, um, I realized that there was a much bigger story here than just what Billy McFarland was able to get away with. Um, it seemed to me the more interesting uh, part of it was why it worked so well. And what I kind of found in reporting this story and then going into like each, you know, tendril off of it was that this is really a society and a culture that has, primed us as consumers and as social media users to buy into the hype, right? To believe the marketing without ever checking if there's an actual product there. And I saw this pattern replicated in so many different ways in so many different industries and industries as disparate as, you know, the tech and startup world and the influencer world um, and everywhere in between. Um, And it kind of led me to this point, you know, there was that meme going around where everything is cake. Uh, But I was like, everything is a scam. Like, literally everything is a scam. What
1: flagged to you in your mind that Fire Festival was something worth? exploring to break the story because i mean that was i remember when that happened it was the craziest thing how did you like kind of get onto that in advance
0: yeah so i initially i think was like everyone else who saw that commercial or saw the orange square campaign in that i you know it looked like another coachella it looked like something you know maybe if if i knew people who were going i might be interested in but i just kind of accepted it at face value Um, And then I did know someone who was going who was posting all about their special wristband and all the, you know, special like opportunities that came with that. And I was like, huh, this is weird. And so I started Googling it. And, you know, once I got off of Instagram and onto their actual website, it was immediate red flags, because, you know, all these things that they promised, they didn't have on the site, right? There were these descriptions of luxury villas, but no photographs, all they had were these, like artist renderings, like, sketches of what it might look like and um, you know they're promising $250,000 yacht packages but it looked like it had been designed by a high school coding student you know what they were presenting and what they were advertising were so disparate that I was like there is something going on here and then what kind of shocked me was how much of it was hiding in plain sight Right, there were at least two whistleblowers months before the festival who registered a website, registered a Twitter account, who were desperately trying to warn people, and nobody cared enough to look to see that there were all these warnings there. Um, so that was really the start of it.
1: That, that is fascinating. I mean, congratulations. That is like the that was the story of the year. I mean, in in this sort of industry, but something that struck me both at the time when Fire Festival happened and I know you also wrote about like Anna Delvey and Caroline Calloway and and Adam Newman. Something that's sort of like, that I kind of go back and, and forth in my head about with these people is like, it doesn't seem like they set out to necessarily scam people. It's that they had these ideas that were almost like too big that they couldn't pull off, but they were still talking about these ideas as if they were, they never like brought their are marketing down to scale with what the ideas were becoming once they sort of like reality hit them. So like to what extent do you feel like people start out to like with a dishonest intention versus like it, they tried and and like it didn't catch up with their words.
0: Oh, I don't know that you can necessarily classify it as a dishonest intention because we are in a culture that encourages you to fake it until you make it and to dream big. And, you know, that that values marketing over any kind of real underlying uh, product. And I think you see that everywhere, whether it is companies posting about social justice without ever having that reflect in their, you know, in their executive boards or influencers who post about small businesses, but then steal designs from them, you know, it's, it's um, I don't think that like you're punished or even expected to necessarily be able to pull that product off when you start advertising it. And so that was one of the things that I found really interesting about talking to people who knew Billy McFarland was that they really questioned whether there was a dishonest intent there or whether he was just someone who got in over his head and that that distinction seemed um, relevant to people. Um, I think it, especially in Billy, McFry, I think there is a point in all the people that you mentioned um, where they knew or should have known that they were not going to be able to pull it off. And maybe at the beginning they thought they could, but they they all reached a moment where it was very clear, you know in the legal sense that like this thing was not going to happen, but they continued to market it as if it were. And I think that's where you cross into um, a more dangerous territory.
1: Okay, so putting yourselves in yourself in like let's say Billy McFarland's or like even somewhere someone like a little easier to kind of relate to like a Caroline Calloway who's like kind of trying to pull off her own personal uh, workshops that weren't like you know she wasn't fleecing investors uh, and or like falsifying documents which I think is different than let's say like you know uh, a Billy McFarland situation. So if you were in her shoes, at what point would you have been like? Fuck, I screwed up. This isn't going to be what I promised. And like kind of came clean, if you will.
0: Uh, I think, I, you know, I don't I don't know the specific answer to that, but looking at her from a bird's eye view. I mean, this is a woman who has sold two books that she's never written, right? She planned this whole workshop tour that never came to fruition. Um, she has a real habit of accepting money up front for things that she does not follow through on. Um, and so the creativity tour is but one example. Um, you know, you would think that looking at, you know, maybe, maybe it's a self-delusional kind of thing. Um, and then the other part is, you know, I think in our, in this world, um, whatever people are willing to give you money for, like that's it's the onus is almost on the consumer. Like we we hold the people who are accepting money for things that they know or should have or should know they're not able to provide. um, It's more on the person who is willing to pay them for it. And that was actually a really interesting thing that I found in my research on this, which is that people really don't feel sorry for victims of scams. There's not a lot of empathy or sympathy there. And part of that is human psychology. Um, I think that people who are uh, not involved in the scam tend to look at it from the outside and be like, well, those people are just gullible or I would have never fallen for that. Um, and they kind of put the onus on the victim. Um, and then part of it is there is a begrudging admiration for con artists, right? Like they're called artists for a reason. There is a certain amount of charisma and, um, you know, a, a character that goes into it. A- and I don't think that people like that really... Uh, ever get like a comeuppance, right? Like Billy McFarlane got two documentaries, a book, and I think two different uh, like scripted projects in production. Anna Delvey has a Shonda Rhimes show coming out about her. Like Jordan Belfort from The Wolf of Wall Street got played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, you know, they might have to serve a little jail time or or read some mean tweets, but for the most part they are celebrated for, for that rather than punished.
1: Right. I think a part of the issue is, like, what does our country and our culture consider to be celebrated? So, like, to me, I don't think it's worth it for Leonardo DiCaprio to play me if the, for the rest of my life, like, I'm known as this person who, like, stole from all these people. But you have to wonder, like, I guess some people don't mind and they would, they're, they'll they'll trade that for, uh, you know, to, for everyone to know, to have this attached to their name. But... Something you mentioned just briefly was like the self delusion. How much do you think self delusion feeds into this? Because it really feels like a big piece. Like it's almost like they need to be a little bit deluded mm-hmm. in order to like be believable enough to make the money yeah. from people.
0: I think it's. Uh, I think self delusion plays a pretty big role in it. But I think there's also an element of they don't necessarily care if they fail as long as they take the chance and as long as other people are supporting them in that venture, right? Like Elizabeth Holmes never had a product. And I, I spoke to a, a business and a psychology professor about kind of the mindset behind that. And that really does um, underpin a lot of the tech world and a lot of the startup world where the things that VCs, they're not investing in what the product is because in a lot of these cases, the product doesn't exist yet. They are investing in the person. And so if someone's saying, I'm going to give you millions of dollars because I believe in you, um, you don't necessarily care if if you have that product developed yet. You are imbued with the sense that like you can do no wrong. So I think the two things really play into one another.
3: Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gifts do you have for dachshund owners. There's jewelry, ceramic toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So I'm wondering what
1: social media. I mean, obviously, social media plays a role because that's how all of these things ultimately spread and that's pretty much where they're you know with the exception of like I wouldn't say this applies for like WeWork or Elizabeth Holmes but you're it's so interesting how it does kind of occur from every level to like WeWork and you have like these huge international banks investing in this I in Adam Newman, but you don't have and then you have Caroline Calloway who's gonna like run a workshop in her in her house like <laughs> so what do, like to what extent do you feel like social media is sort of like the crux of this that both drives consumers and enables the, the scammers?
0: I think it is um, social media has been melting our brains and I think that it affects even our behavior offline now. Um, you know, I spoke to someone who knew people that invested in Fire Festival and he had warned them not to do it. But because they were seeing these images, they wanted like a sexy investment and they wanted to be part of the conversation. And so they ignored the warnings and went forward with it anyway because there was so much buzz around it. Um, and I think right. that that is a direct correlation to this FOMO culture. You know, uh, in researching this book, I found there is a direct correlation between when social media migrated from our computers to our cell phones and then we were constantly connected. So starting in around 2013, when I think Instagram really became a thing, um, people started reporting feeling increased feelings of loneliness and isolation and jealousy. Um, And it really, I think, primes you to accept what you're seeing as real um, and to, you know, experience that feeling that you're missing out, right? Because not only do you know that everyone's hanging out without you, you're seeing it in real time. Uh, And then at the same time, you know, you follow your friends on social media, you're also following brands and celebrities, uh, and all the posts look the same. And your friends are behaving like brands, brands are behaving like your friends, and influencers and celebrities are kind of the go-betweens between the two. Um, You know, how do you not lose track of reality? Uh, And we've tacitly accepted this uh, virtual world as reflective of the real world, um, and we participate in it, right? Like no one's there's, there's definitely a rise of performative authenticity, and you know Kendall Jenner is going to tell us this big secret she's been dealing with her whole life, and oh, it's acne, and it's acne? her Accutane campaign, you know. But no one's going to post the real bad thing, right? Like you're posting a highlight reel to make other people think you look better um and at the same time you see this rise of like doing it for the gram and you know i think that at a certain point um the way that we were able to present our experiences became more important than the actual experience itself and so to that end i really truly believe that if like blink 182 had played or if you know the water had been a bit bluer that the people that went to Fire Festival would have gone along with it and would have posted that like, you know, beautiful picture and would they would have pretended that they were having the time of their lives.
1: Yeah, it's it's so it's what you're what I'm kinda getting I'm kind of thinking, I'm like maybe everybody has a little bit of scammer in them. Yes. And they're sort of like relating to that piece. And like that's what these con artists you could these literal con artists are sort of like inspiring in us it's like oh i could be that yes. cool or i could like get in on this but so so i did my next question was actually about so you had said if you think that something had come through with fire festival that it w- this would not have panned out that way to what extent do you think it would have what do you think would have needed to like happen for it to to be enough like, cause either way, they were not going to have those like nice tents. There was no yacht. There was no like good package. The food, we all saw it. Like what elements do you think had to be there for people to be like, okay, I, I fire festival is real and I had fun.
0: I think they were probably about a month away from really pulling it off. Right? Like, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but they were able to relocate a lot of the influencers to cruise ships. So they were providing them with like kind of nicer rooms and there was that sea element you know, if some of the models had shown up, or if it hadn't been, you know, an ugly gravel pit, if there had been some sand around, like they were just a couple of elements away. But it was the combination of the soggy mattresses and the desolate housing, right? Because when everyone went to that bar, initially, people were having fun. They were, you know, on the beach taking pictures and there was a Uh, swing in the water like that part at first people were posting really cool fun pictures and i remember watching it on social media um it was funny because i i wanted to go cover it and vice was like "Eh, i don't know and it wasn't until the cheese sandwich went viral that they were like all right let's go with this um and so yeah i was watching really closely to see how vindicated did you feel extraordinarily i fucking told you like yeah, I mean, there were a lot of Cassandra-type moments in this story, right? I was not the first person to notice something was amiss, and I certainly wasn't the last to be ignored. Um, but, you know, I was watching with a very close eye, and initially, when people were being held in that beautiful island restaurant, you know, it looked like it was going to work out, Um and certainly the folks at home were, I'm sure, feeling a little jealousy. What really struck me was um, Mark Weinstein, who was interviewed in the documentary, the Netflix documentary, and in my book. Um, he remembers, you know, he was there. He had been brought in to kind of try and save what was left in the last few weeks. Um, and he was miserable. He did not want to be there. He was not enjoying it. He knew that this was not going to work out. and Nobody was listening to him. But he would post, you know, like a beautiful photo of a Bahamian beach, and all his friends at home would be like, "Oh, I'm so jealous! Like it looks like you're having the time of your life!" And, you know, the the difference between Instagram and reality could not have been starker.
1: That would make such an interesting experiment, like a controlled experiment of someone who's like going through like a deep depression, but they're posting like <laughs> these beautiful things. And like, you, it's really pretty crazy. But, um, so Cassandra, you just mentioned like the Cassandra moment. I think we had that, you know, we had that a lot in politics mm-hmm. with Trump. Why, I, I I find that um, the people who tend to be those voices, they're often women of color. They're often people from disadvantaged or like, you know, Places you know communities that they do not have as strong of a voice Mm -hmm. and the scammers I mean I don't think it's a coincidence that it's you know a lot of like white men and women who started off somewhere you know, Billy McFarlane did not start off as the trust fund kid that he wanted to portray himself as, but you know, he was like a fairly well off kid from New Jersey. So I think it's like almost, you get these people who are like almost there and they want to be at that like next level. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have sort of this like upper middle class, like white women, white men. Um, But yeah, no, I, why do you think that people don't listen? Like, do they want to believe? Like, is it that? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there is a certain element where we have to take responsibility for the fact that if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. And if we believe anyway, it's because we want to believe and because we want it to be true. Uh, There, you know, there's not like a lot of, I I hate to say this because it's like a little negative, but we need to be more cynical as, you know, a, a monolith consumer. Um, or a monolith social media user. Like we have to remind ourselves that like what we're seeing is likely not to be real.
1: Right. Your your book reminds me of it almost feels like a continuation of a book I read a few years ago. It's called Fantasyland. Mm-hmm. And it was this like long history of America, and essentially that like Americans really have always been attracted to snake oil salesmen. Like even the people who came over, like on the Mayflower we're like chasing like this fantastical dream and like that that is sort of like in the like inner character of Americans or white Americans that there is like um this just sort of attraction to fantasy and to things that are you can't necessarily believe that are too good to be true but going on that why do you think there is like a lack of compassion for those who are scammed like what like what is it about the fact that like choose that people root for the scammer against those that that are hurt being hurt?
0: Well, for one thing, you know, scammers tend to be incredibly charismatic. Um, and then, you know, I, I was saying something like this before, but I think that people just um they think you know, we always think we're smarter than we are, right? Like, I, there's many studies that show if people are asked to read their own intelligence, they tend to overestimate you know, how how effective they are, how good they are at making certain decisions or or knowing information. Um, So people look at these scams and think I would never fall for that. And because they Mm. think that they are above it, um, they look at the people that do fall for it as being particularly gullible or, you know, defected in some way that they would fall for it when I wouldn't. Um, So that's just, I think, unfortunately, human nature.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I hear that. So, so something else you alluded to earlier is like this performative authenticity that's mm-hmm. come that's come about, because I feel like that is definitely a trend. Can you sort of explain, like other than Kendall Jenner, maybe someone like a little bit more like down to earth, like what that, what that would mean, what that looks like and how you can sort of like identify what is performative versus what is like the closest thing you can get to authenticity on social media?
0: Sure. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know what, what real authenticity would look like on social media. I don't think I've seen it yet. But, um, you know, there's a chapter in the book on Danielle Bernstein, who I had a very uh, eye-opening experience with. But one thing that I noticed as these scandals continue to occur with her, every time she is accused of something and often credibly accused, you know, with receipts with dates, with writing, um, she gets on Instagram and she posts a video of herself crying and, you know, talking about how all these people are hating on her and being critical to her. And so it is actually a recurring theme in the book. You know, there's multiple paragraphs that start with. And then she got on Instagram and posted a video of herself crying. Um, You know, I don't know. It's interesting
1: because you can kind of see two types of like cancellations. Like there's the... Immediate scandal where, you know, something breaks and it's like the person goes down kind of immediately. And then you have almost like a slow rolling cancellation, which I think is more sort of like what her vibe is is that there's just like this accumulation of accusations and like maybe she can get away with it the first time. And like, but once you hear it and you see it and you see screenshots so many times, it becomes like, this is clearly a pattern that you engage in, but why? Like, what make? Why do the tears work?
0: Um. Well, I don't I, I don't. I can't speak to why the tears work per se, except that you know we love seeing vulnerability. Um. But I would posit that scammers don't really get canceled, right? Like, look at everyone we've discussed so far. They are all still out there operating. You know, I fully believe that Billy McFarland will get out of prison and launch something new. Um, absolutely we cancel racists we cancel like sexists or people who commit other crimes but not scammers yeah i mean that that i do
1: not understand it could be like the charisma like it does feel like certain people
2: are a bit more like teflon than others Mm -hmm. today's episode of american fever dream is brought to you by newly have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, it's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to five X as well as petite and maternity.
1: One recent story that's really interests me, it interested me—it interested me—is Jen Shaw, yes. um, from The Real Housewives, <laughs> and I'm also waiting for her colleague Mary Cosby to, whatever happens there. So I, you kind of see like a rise in in this kind of thing going on on The Real Housewives. Like you have Eric Jane. Who else do you think is kind of called to these things? And do you think that why can't scammers just lay low? Almost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's not forget about the original Housewives scammer, Michaela Salahi. I forgot how you pronounce her first name. The one that crashed a state dinner with Bravo cameras in tow and pretended she had been invited um, on Real Housewives. Oh my of gosh. Um, you know, I think there is definitely an element of narcissism there. Um, but, you know, reality TV is also, I think, in a in a very similar way to social media, a way for people to create their own identities, right? Because, and then, you know, you want to talk about Donald Trump. Like, if he had not been on The Apprentice, he would never have been president for many reasons, um, including the fact that he ran for president to boost his apprentice salary. (laughs) But, you know, he and Mark Burnett created this version of him that was then sold to the masses, and people who didn't live in New York fully bought into it, that he was this successful businessman um and i think reality tv does the same thing right and and the housewives don't have the same control over editing that donald trump did but you know they have the ability they know they're going to shoot x number of scenes and they can kind of attempt to portray themselves the way that they want the world to see them and so it is like yet another marketing technique um now of course those things sometimes fall apart and i'm going to be really interested to see if they pursue that Girardi storyline on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, for example, because, you know, last season, famously, um, Joliet got confronted by a disgruntled customer who I think was either suing her or knew someone who was, and the show opted not to show that footage. So, you know, it's interesting what the editors deem worthy of telling the rest of the world. I can't imagine how the Shaw storyline won't be part of this season, given that they were filming when the FBI showed up, uh, which is oh my incredible. gosh. Um, As a viewer, it's also fascinating because when you find out what they've been doing, you have all the evidence that they unintentionally provided, right? Like there's all this footage of Jen attempting to explain what her business was. Oh my gosh, that's the funniest. Um, You know, her assistant who was also indicted is on the show. So it's kind of fun as like a armchair detective to go back through the footage and see what we missed.
1: Totally. I just went back and was rewatching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and like I feel like maybe I was too like young or naive when like these first aired to be like okay something's weird there mm-hmm. but then you look back and you're like oh like that this doesn't make any sense how they afforded that. Yeah. Like it just doesn't make any sense and,
0: and it's yeah the one, are there any It's always the ones throwing like $25,000 birthday parties for their three year olds that end up being the complete scammers. I don't think that's a coincidence.
1: No, complete. I I don't either because I think they probably do it to create like a smoke and mirrors. Like, oh, if they're doing this, like, how could they possibly not have the money? Mm-hmm. Like, they they're doing like what they just they just could afford a twenty five thousand dollar.
0: Sunglasses yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> well, a, a there was a detail that always stuck out to me about the Armstrong Taylor Armstrong and her husband, which was after um, her husband committed suicide. There were these lawsuits attempting to claw back some of the money, and, and I think that they had like obtained a, a judgment that um, she had to give up some of her Birkins, and it turned out that the Birkins were all fake, and like all of it was wow. kind of a lie.
1: Wow, that is like that her Birkins were fake. <laughs> I actually feel like I didn't know that. Are there any scams out there that you feel are scams that are not outed yet? Can you hint at any? Or are there any housewives that you think might be of interest <laughs> for whatever well, reason?
0: I think skincare is a scam and I know a lot of people are gonna disagree with me on this. Um But I actually in the book detail kind of one company that was outed, uh, which was Sunday Riley, which is like a very popular skincare brand. That was also and I say allegedly because they did settle with the SEC, but they admitted no wrongdoing in the process. Uh, But the founder of that company allegedly instructed their employees on how to use a VPN or a virtual private network to get around Sephora's fraud detectors to leave bullshit reviews about how good and effective the the products were. Um, And I believe that the founder of that company has also been falsely claiming to have a degree in that industry when in fact she never graduated college. Um, And then, you know, not to upset any Elon Musk fans, but I think he is the most visible, incredible scammer out there who keeps getting away with it. And now he's going to be on SNL. It's just wild to me that he has not been held to account for any of it.
1: I am so happy you said that because earlier this week, we literally started our Ignore Elon Musk campaign. Ah. And for for me, like the time that he said he was creating an indestructible car and someone threw a brick at it and it (laughs) broke. To me, I'm like, you don't see this? You don't see this. You don't see that this is this is fake.
0: Mm-hmm. The value of his
1: company. Like I, I'm, I'm totally with you on Elon Musk. How
0: about the fact that he has this self-driving program that is not self-driving at all? You know, it's a heightened cruise control that has more than like 30, 30 or forty recorded accidents, many of them fatal, because he's falsely marketing it as a autonomous program. Or the fact that you know he is this like futuristic hyperloop. That is just a way for his tunnel boring company. He just owns a tunnel boring machine and they just make little tunnels for Tesla. Like what he produces has no basis in reality. Like his, what the marketing he puts out has no basis in reality. You know, I was writing a report today that um, Tesla, you know, it's, it have, it's worth a lot of money right now. Uh, all of their earnings came either from selling off Bitcoin or from selling their emissions. You know, they made almost no pro- no profit themselves. It's all smoke and mirrors.
1: Okay, I think you have your next
0: book. <laughs>
1: Cuz yeah, I am hating watching anytime Elon Musk gets attention and like the things he says on Twitter are just so gross and we ne- he needs to be ignored. Um sorry Elon, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> So those are so basically. You think that there's like more out there, and oh where it's sure. just like a matter of time until we figure it out. What yeah. are some signs to help people? Like, w- what makes your antenna go up when you see a person and they are portraying themselves a certain way? Like, what kind of makes you go like that's not real?
0: Um, the hype, right? Anytime you see kind of like effusive press around things and this is just in general something that really strikes me like you know I don't there are people I admire but I don't have like heroes like there's no you know seeing people who make Donald Trump their whole identity for example like when someone reaches a cult status like that and I think Elon Musk is the same way that raises a a major red flag to me um less of an individual aspect but um scammers really what they do is prey on your emotions so if you are consuming content that is evoking a sharp emotion in you for something that you have no personal connection to, that's a major red flag. And sometimes it's real, right? Like you see the, the Sarah McLaughlin singing over the Sad Dogs commercial, um, look it up and make sure it's real. Like you can, uh, any charity has to have certain registration right? Like if you're seeing sad pictures online, it's very easy to right click and search Google to see where those photos actually came from, if they're original or not. Uh, so it's often just taking kind of one step further when something triggers an emotion like that to figure out why and, and whether it's real or not. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, th- I think
1: you're, I think you're so right. and And there is a fine line between like, wanting people to be, like, responsible consumers and tell them to look a step further uh, but be- versus, like, you know, not having compassion for those who are scammed out of their money. And, and many times it can be financially ruining for people.
0: Yeah, I guess I, this is a very simplistic way of looking at things, but I think the overall conclusion is that if something seems too good to be true like it probably is and, and we need to learn to trust that initial instinct instead of talking ourselves into believing it
1: right i am so with you and i hope that that is good advice for anyone who may be considering buying something following somebody you know and i I think just it could all really serve us to be more careful consumers, a little bit more skeptical about the claims people make, especially, you're right, when there is a lot of hype around somebody, or they're trying to create hype around themselves, like Mm -hmm. Jen Shaw.
0: Who is posting pictures like nothing ever happened. You would never know to look at her Instagram.
1: I don't really understand that, like mentally how somebody can have had the moment that she had where the fucking justice department is after you (laughs) like not just like the police
2: um
1: and then you're still like acting as if nothing happened and yeah we are gonna do our segment that we do with everybody it's called the four questions and they're fun easy questions so we're gonna start with what is your happiest memory ever
0: um, that is a really tough question. I will say right now, having been in isolation for a year, um, so I don't know if, I, if many of your listeners will connect to this, but I am a huge jam band fan. Like I go to all the dead shows, all the fish shows.
1: Me too. Wait, me and my husband do this too. Oh my like, god! Okay, okay. so talk yeah. after
0: this. Um, but I would have to say, like going on fish tour with my friends, like dancing outside. You know, just I can't wait to like be offered a joint by a stranger again, not saying I'm gonna accept, but just that feeling of camaraderie and you know it's called um oh God, uh, something uh, collective effervescence when you're in a crowd and everyone is riding that same wave. Um, and so I really miss that communal feeling, and I hope to experience it again soon. <laughs>
1: I think you will. So, and maybe we'll run into each other or we could, we could go together. I would love that. I'll see you at Citi (laughs) Field. Yeah, I probably. Um, Okay. Next question. If you could go on vacation with any two people, who would they be and where would you go? It
0: would have to be a Real Housewives trip. I think it would be Real Housewives of New York. Um, They are the most fun ladies in my opinion. Um, And then I... uh, I don't know if this is part of the question, or not. I know it's part of the, the question that you sent ahead, but it was who would I share a room with, and it would have to be Ramonia, like a hundred percent.
1: That's a yeah. Well, you would get the best room, yeah. So well,
0: that's definitely. A big that part. is yeah.
1: That's a good reason. No, I would
0: sleep in their bathtub. I don't even care.
1: They would sleep in their that's bathtub. True. I'd so I get the bed
0: to myself. Exactly. <laughs> maybe maybe not. We know what Ramona does to the bed. What is
1: your favorite Real Housewives of New York trip ever?
0: Um, well, not one I would want to be on, but I think Scary Island is the most iconic. Okay, third
1: question. What are you absolutely terrible at and cannot be trusted with?
0: Directions. Um, you know, where my parents are, there are like two of the same gas station and they will tell me to stop at the one in like a specific town and I always go to the wrong one. I cannot be trusted to find my way anywhere. Thank God for GPS.
1: Yeah, for real. I, I feel that. Okay. Last question. If you could like wave a magic wand and solve any of the world's problems, what would
0: you solve? Um, I would get rid of marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so how would people know about products? They would have to just find it for themselves, like no more advertising or advertising would have to match the reality of the product.
1: That's a good one. I feel like that would, you know, you should talk to uh, Elizabeth Warren's Consumer Financial Protection Bureau.
0: (laughs) I mean, on the (laughs) other hand, I'd have nothing left to write about if that happened.
1: Right. I mean, honestly, like, please do the Elon Musk book. Like, I would read the show that you would probably sell so many copies.
0: I'm gonna send my publisher. I'll work on it with afternoon. you. <laughs> okay. uh, We've a lot. We to can do it together. Yeah,
1: we <laughs> do the fish book, bu- the fish tour, the Elon Musk book, and the dog meetup. The dog played it.
0: Oh, I can't wait!
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Gabby. Will you let everyone know where they can follow you? Where they? I mean, they know where they can get your book, but the full name of your book and yeah, anything you might, anything exciting you might have coming up.
0: Yeah, the book is called Hype, How Scammers, Grifters, and Con Artists Are Taking Over the Internet and Why We're Following, and it is available in all major bookstores and Amazon. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at G underscore Bluestone or Instagram at G Bluestone. And uh, I have some more scammer stories coming up. Keep an eye out. And uh Keep an eye out on on the world, right? Stay a little cynical out there.
1: Watch yourself. Stay cynical. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Gabby. This was so much fun. And please, I would love to have you back anytime a good scam breaks and we can talk about how we knew it all along.
0: Thanks for having me. And that being said, I will definitely be back soon.
1: Afternoon Tea is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Our editor is Stacey Wong. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at betches.com. Betches.